The Ram Dama's Kingdom by Robert P. Fitton. Episode 7. I've seen the Ram Dama somewhere before. McGee paced up and down the length of Baker's Fitness Center. Men and women were working out at various machines and running around the upstairs track. Baker himself had just finished a self-defense class. When McGee saw him come out of the side room, he rushed over to meet him. The brawny black man's muscles were bulging and sweat was beaded over his forehead. Thought you'd never get out of there, Bake, said McGee. Well, some of us have to work, he said, wiping his head with the towel and then wrapping it around his neck. What's up? I just called Senator Rothstein's office. I'm waiting for the callback. Senator Rothstein? <laughs> Baker laughed, throwing the towel to the side. That's a good one. He grabbed McGee by the arm and pulled him across the gym to his office. What's going on? Last night when I left you, I found out the meaning of the words. They're the chants of the worldwide church. No shit, he said as he sat at his desk. What about Rothstein? You say you're waiting for a call from Rothstein? Rothstein's committee is investigating the Ram Dhammar and his worldwide church, McGee told him. Ah, now you're making sense. Right, right. They wouldn't let me talk to him. Talk to some staffer. She said she wouldn't talk to me unless she discussed it with somebody else. Makes sense, buddy. What the hell did you expect? <laughs> Laughed Baker. Just call up and have some high-level meeting with the White House. Oh, you're funny, Baker. Don't you see where this could be leading? I don't know, McGee, and I don't care, Baker replied as he sat down at the chair behind his desk. As far as I'm concerned, this whole thing is way out of my league, he said, looking through some papers. Your league? Seems to me with your military background. That was ten years ago, pal. Forget my background. Got this fitness place now, I get good money and I don't have to worry. McGee's phone sounded. McGee pushed the orange button, and a blonde woman with light blue eyes came into view, the same woman who had been inside the Jans building at the desk. Why was this lady at the front desk in the Jans building at the same time he was? Yes, I'm calling from Senator Rothstein's office. I'm looking for I'm looking for a Harry McGee. You're taking a big chance, McGee, mumbled Baker. I'm Harry McGee, he said, sneering at Baker. Yes, Mr. Magnate Investigations. I'm sorry, yelled McGee. I'm saying my name is Annie Sinclair. I work field investigations with the Senator's committee. Excellent, said McGee. Apparently I struck a nerve somewhere. This committee has been mandated, Mr. McGee, to carry forth a detailed study of the worldwide church. You see, we are on very tricky constitutional grounds here. We cannot prosecute nor can we subpoena anyone without being involved in a long constitutional court fight. You can understand to a petition. Yeah, I only wish I could understand the transmission, he smiled. Billion dollar satellite system and this is what we have, she said, smiling as the screen filled with snow for a few seconds. I understand the committee's position, Miss Sinclair, McGee told her as she came back on the screen. Good, good, very good. When you called, you mentioned you had a client whom you think might have been affected adversely by the church. Would you elaborate? 
think it would be better if we talked face to face, said McGee, with a very coy look on his face. Baker could see that his friend had been attracted to the woman, and he rolled his eyes, laughing softly. Can you hear me, Miss Sinclair? Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Has your client actually joined the church? Well, he's been affected by the church. Listen, you people are studying the church. I'm telling you, I have valuable information. I see. One minute, please, she said as she got up. Admit it, McGee, said Baker with a sly look. You could tell her everything she needs to know on the phone. We be quiet, Baker. It was a full five minutes, however, until Andy Sinclair came back on the static-filled screen. I apologize for the delay. I had to talk with a few people. We've been reflecting about the taxpayers' money. You live in Worcester, Massachusetts. That's a central portion of... No way, no way I'm meeting here, Sunshine. Let's make it Springfield or Hartford or not Worcester. Very well, whatever you wish. Name your place and we'll meet, she told him. How about St. Thomas or maybe Martinique? Only if you're the one who's paying, she smiled. I'll keep that in mind. But seriously, there's a restaurant on the Connecticut River in Springfield called the Palisades. Sounds good. I'll find it. Be there tomorrow morning at 8. I'll see you then. Goodbye. She said and McGee pushed the orange button. Baker leaned back in his chair, his arms crossed and his white teeth gleaming brightly. I'm looking forward to our meeting, he said, mimicking McGee. Oh, shut up. So I find her mildly attractive, confessed McGee. Aren't you the one always telling me never to nix business and pleasure? I believe the quote was, you'll lose your shirt and your pants. Did I say that? Laughed McGee. I suggest you remember that. Are you coming with me to Springfield? You mess up your little rendezvous? All right, suit yourself. I'm leaving tonight. I'll get a room up there. I don't know how long my computer track to stall off the SIA guys. Well, seriously, buddy, take it easy. It's no kid's game. If you need me, just call. I'll be there in a shot. I know you will. Thanks, Bake. He said as he slapped him on the shoulder. Now I have to activate the Turbo's computers and get the Turbo over here without arousing any suspicion. Good luck, McGee. You'll need it in more ways than one. McGee, in a process he had developed himself, tapped his handheld computer into a phone line and made a connection directly to the computer terminal within his car. Deep inside the parking garage, underneath a circular apartment complex, the bright red car's electrically charged engine clicked on. The car backed out of McGee's space and, using sophisticated satellite tracking beams, it left the garage. It hummed down the streets, moving slowly as it headed across the city with no one in the driver's seat. Within minutes, he saw the turbo stopping at the traffic light just up the street. The light turned green and the turbo moved forward, right over to the curb where McGee was standing with his little computer. He pushed the code into the outside door box and the doors opened. The warm air was like a soothing massage, but it still took him several minutes to shake the cold as he took control of the turbo and headed out of the city. The inside of the turbo had been designed at the plant. McGee, however, made substantial modifications. The windshield consisted of a small glass slit 
Actual driving was done by using the enlarged viewing screen that filled the front of the turbo. Controls were provided on both sides of a central seat and an unusual number of probably unnecessary blinking colored lights topped the vast computer banks. McGee could tap into virtually any phone line in the world and produce an image on the large screen in seconds. This provided him with a constant source of reliable and extensive data, but at a staggering cost. Once on the highway, McGee set the computer controls and let the turbo drive itself. He pushed a button and the metal roof retracted. The glass ceiling revealed a beautiful arrangement of winter stars. McGee lay back in the seat. The outside temperature hovered around zero on the digital and the stars passed overhead as the turbo moved down an empty section of highway. He flipped on the radio in order to have some sprightly classical music to accompany his journey with the stars. The static was not as heavy as before, but just enough to ruin the movement. He flipped off the switch, annoyed as he looked up again and started to rehash what he had learned in the Hutchinson case. Doubts were plaguing him on several fronts. Who actually was telling the truth? Why would Hutchinson offer everything he owned in the world? And why would the potential hijackers be shouting the Ramdamian worship phrases? Granted, the worldwide church's influence around the globe was more than likely very extensive, but the Ramdama would have neither the means nor the need to attempt such an outlandish crime as taking the red medal. The risk was just too great. It meant directly challenging the SIA's most secret operation, unless someone had decided to implicate the Ramdama deliberately. In that scenario, Hutchinson may have just planted those strange words. Yet the flamboyant General Kellogg was adamant about McGee staying clear of the case. Too many unanswered questions. The computer flashed red words on the turbo viewer. Detour, 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 detour. Then it spoke to McGee. McGee, they have highway construction in 1.8 miles, it said as the construction signs came into view. I would suggest that you take manual control. Detour for what? asked McGee, snapping from his thoughts. The computer generated a map of the area in the lower portion of the viewer. McGee looked at the highway in the green, and the yellow alternative route wound into the country. Bridge repairs, said the computer. Actual detour route is six miles, McGee, a delay of 20 minutes. No alternatives. All right, all right. But you maintain control. I don't feel like driving, he said as he pushed a button for a long-range video hookup. Get me Jans in Worcester. I want more on this Ramdama. Line is ringing, said the computer. Thank you for calling Jans Services. Jans provides 8903-04829AE. Get me the current events calendar, computer, ordered McGee. He saw his code activate on another system, but the static was still strong. Computer, is that atmospheric static? Yes, answered the turbo computer. It seems especially strong tonight, yet no one has defined the exact source. More than likely, it is related to sunspot activity. Thanks, he said, pushing the button again. Give me the information on the history of the worldwide church and read it to me. I'm in a car. Scanning file 56574, section 5. 
Ramdama, leader of the Worldwide Church. File commencing. Worldwide Church has declined in membership in 2028, down 2%. An estimated 7,500,000 people are from associated countries have been officially listed as members of the church, although membership estimates may not be totally accurate. Membership requires offerings and total devotion to the basic creeds of the church. At the bottom of the ranks are the wanderers, those granted indefinite temporary membership. Time and increased offerings brings the wanderers into the church itself. They become holy children of the Ramdama. The holy children grow their hair well over shoulder length. They are dressed in red cotton robes and have triad or white triangles stamped into the front of the robe. What is this triad? asked McGee. The good and bad are represented on the base as human qualities. They merge into the new self within the Ram Dhamma, designated at the top of the triangle. All of the temples are built in this manner. Holy children seek donations from the public and sell goods for profit. They report directly to the seekers. Seekers are allowed to trim their hair slightly, wear orange robes, and spend most of their time interpreting the word of the Ram Dhamma. They are going to the hell's going on here? shouted McGee. Static is disturbing the transmission. McGee looked at the screen. A maze of blinking arrows directed traffic to the right and up toward the hills. He could see cranes and trucks parked ahead on the bridge. The turbo followed the arrows and sped onto the side road. He hit the button to Jans. To the visionaries themselves. The visionaries, hair trimmed to the bone, are the highest members of the church and perform administrative functions. They wield great power, having direct responsibility for sectored areas of the country and the world. They plan speaking engagements in from the outside. Can't you heighten this signal? He asked the computer. Signal is at maximum, McGee. As the file skipped along, McGee looked out the window. The moonlight covered some of the snow-crested ridges and forests. Smoke rose gently from the distant chimneys of houses nestled in the hills. He could smell it in the air as he looked up at the stars. Tell me about the Ram Dhamma, boarded McGee. When did he form this church? The worldwide church was formed around his philosophy officially in 1982. This is when the basic structure was established. From a teaching position at Parish University, which he used as a farm, he began lecturing around the world. Are you saying he's some kind of professor? He holds a Doctor of Philosophy from Oxford. 1979, he what, 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 not when it... McGee, wanting to physically put down the facts, wrote onto his handheld computer. Repeat that last statement. Doctor of Philosophy, not typical. Where the hell was he born? Asked the exasperated McGee. Birth date is not available in these summations. Unavailable, laughed McGee. I can scan other listings, said the Jans computer. McGee squinted. He was growing weary of it all. Signal is fading said the turbo computer. Interference is very strong. Signal is returning. 
Information on the Ram Damar is available in our current biography files. No additional charge to 809-30-4829-AE. Well, thanks a lot, replied McGee. Birthplace listed as Antofagasta del La Serra, Argentina, 1957. 57? That man is 72 years old. 70? What to the internet mode of... Repeat, never mind, never mind. Get me a picture of the Ram Dama. An image of the Ram Dama fading in and out with the intensifying static came over the screen. McGee leaned forward. Not only did the church leader not look 72 years old, there was something more. McGee had that same feeling as he did when he was with Effie back in the office. He had seen the Ram Dama somewhere before. Those overpowering eyes, symbolizing a sense of power and domination. Where? Where had he seen him? It was becoming a mental block now. Or perhaps just the enthusiasm of the case. As he thought, the screen went totally blank and soon filled with snow. Transmission is gone, said the turbo computer. I don't understand this. Ionic disturbances in the upper atmosphere have rippled downward. The wind McGee looked ahead. The turbo lights shined down the winding road. It had just passed a sign for a rest area. When we reach that rest area, Audie McGee, pull over. I want some fresh air. This whole thing has got me very nervous. The turbo approached the rest area, pulled off the road, and into a tiny mountaintop parking lot. McGee looked down at the bright digital clock at the bottom of the screen. 8.30 at night, and I'm exhausted. Open the doors. Outside temperature is only 4 degrees Fahrenheit. I know what it is, he said, putting his handheld off to the side. The doors opened, and he stepped from the lighted turbo into the darkness. The first thing he noticed was the smell of pine from the chimneys. There were a few lights on in the lower snow-lined valley. McGee looked upward at the brilliant span of the Milky Way and jumped up and down as the cold air immediately perked him up. Where's all that interference? He asked the turbo computer. I don't see anything up there. Nevertheless, the Weather Bureau has centered on the ion effect over the northeast. Most transmissions have beneficence. Damn stupid, said McGee as he walked away from the car and down the guardrail. He had never looked at the sky in the city. It seemed like he was always too busy but the sky imparted a certain peace out in the country. Quietude. Air was so clean and still, pines softly rustling their needles at night. He folded his arms and thought about the case. The intrigue was drawing him deeper. It was sheer intrigue. If sheer intrigue was the only factor, he would be lying to himself. It was the red metal. Just the prospect of getting close to the red metal, combined with Hutchinson's blank check, this is like being drawn down like a sinking stone to the ocean floor. Star names or constellations eluded him as he looked skyward, but he did see something moving. Meteor showers were not uncommon at night, but this was different, brighter, similar to a green laser streak fading away from a gaseous head. The colored ball split apart to McGee's astonishment like a 4th of July fireworks show. As the bright streaks shot toward the valley, McGee rushed back to the turbo. 
all the lights, in fact, all the power, including the auxiliary and the turbo, was dead. He manually pulled the doors down, got inside, and yelled at the computer. Answer me, computer! What the hell is this? He looked out the window, his eyes open wide, as the massive green beams illuminated the valley snow. His body began to feel strange. Numbness was setting in and his eyes closed. Words he had never heard in his entire life were reverberating around his brain, and he could hear the letters as if the actual written words were thrust into his mind. Although his body was tingling, he reached purely instinctively for his handheld and his stylus. He saw the words clearly, and he wrote them carefully down on the screen. Today's date, 129-29, Ramdama, Jan's Tape, Big Section, born 1957, Antofagasta, Della Serra, 70, check this, unknown symbols, the numbness pervaded his body. He wrote as long as he could, but his feelings were intense as he lost consciousness in the night slipped by. McGee could feel the heat on his face, and his eyelids were brightened. He opened his eyes. The sun had risen, a brilliant crisp orange behind the bare trees along the hilltops. His body ached all over, and he could feel the chill. It was not only the turbo's insulation that had kept him alive, but once again, with the power out, he pushed open the door and moved into the cold. Making his way around the turbo, he released the hood latch. Everything seemed frozen even the tops of the copper-plated batteries surrounding the engine. He reached down and banged the reset power switch several times, finally unlocking it from its frozen position. Immediately, the heating system snapped on and the computer sounded. No damage, McGee. An intense ion beam formed over this area, the computer told him as the engine started. I was paralyzed, said McGee, shivering. He put down his hood. No wonder I, I didn't freeze to death. He got inside the turbo, which was already warm by the heating systems, and the doors closed. The clock was quickly readjusted by the computer. McGee had been out for nine hours. What caused it? I've never seen anything like that. What is this, some kind of government experiment? I don't know, admitted the computer. It was as if the sphere, composition unknown, formed over the area, then spread out and dissipated. I have no explanation. I have to get to Springfield, he said, squinting. I don't know why you don't have a more informational readout on that thing. $126,000 to construct this turbo and you have no explanation, he said, looking down at the notebook. Moving, said the computer, impervious to any insults, and it pulled back onto the road. And the letters, then I passed out. He lifted the handheld to the computer's camera. What is all this? I don't know, McGee work on it. Start scanning the newscasts and the police bands. I want to know if anyone else saw this thing. Here's a broadcast. Well, let's hear it. Sightings throughout the United States Northeast. Scientists report what looked like a meteor shower was probably a result of comet fragments too small to be detected on a space grade. Dr. Victor Savard, interviewed from Deep Space Station 19, tells the news channel that the comets are an everyday occurrence. Although the green color left him somewhat confused, he advised people to enjoy what he called nature's show. Maybe I imagined all this. 
all this symbiosis, the letters, the least of my worries. I still have this damn case, and it's getting on my nerves. You wish to cancel the appointment with Miss... Miss Sinclair? Hell no. I was just mumbling, computer. Get me to Springfield. To the hotel room? No, no, forget it. That money is shot. I can see it's going to be a fun day. Join us again next week for another adventurous episode of the Ram Damas Kingdom, Who Is He Who Commands the Masses? Produced by Fitton Theater of the Words.